Thanks, Colin. <clears throat> Thank you, band. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great privilege to be able to be here this morning and to and to uh, to be up here this morning and to be speaking to you. And to be completely honest, the topic that I've well, I didn't choose this. Craig asked me to speak on this. Um, I've been more nervous in my preparation for this than I have any of my other talks because it revealed something in me um, that, number one, I didn't like. Number two, I had to address. And to be honest, I think, I mean, if you look at this, it's a bit of a disaster. Um, but I'm going to do my absolute best. Um, and uh, the, thing, the thing that it brought up in me, which I don't think is typically taught in this passage specifically, and I hope that you can bear with me because there's going to be a bit of preaching but also a bit of teaching, so I'm hoping to kind of pull you along with this. But what it made me realize um, in more ways than I'd hoped for that I had a pretty hard heart. And specifically the journey that I've gone on personally over the last couple of years, it's been a season's in and out of dealing with this issue of a hardness of heart. And uh, does anyone else here relate with that? Does anyone else know what that means? If we look at the screen, if you don't, a hardness of heart is a negative condition in which the person ignores, spurns, or rejects the gracious offer of God to be a part of his or her life. It's basically us not bringing God into every aspect of our life, but rather saying, you know what, God, you can be part of my family life, but work is for me. Hold my beer. I'm going to just do this, and I probably shouldn't say that up here. It's fine. Craig's not here. It's okay. Um, <coughs> um, but, but yeah, it's not allowing God to infiltrate every aspect of our life. Um, and there might be various reasons for that, um, but all of that will reveal the condition of our heart. Um, and we're going to get into struggles. We're going to get into distractions. We're going to get into the things that keep us from pursuing God in such a way where he's fully integrated into our life. We have a soft heart and able to receive him and what he wants to do in us and through us. So I do think it's quite an amusing, um, I think God's got a great sense of humor. Either that or Craig, he's very aware of what, of the struggle that, uh, that we've gone through over the last couple of years and been a part of that. So, um, so yeah, um, on that note, let's get into it. Just a quick recap. We've been going through the book of Mark. Next slide, bro. Legend. Okay, so we've been going through the book of Mark, and if we go back to where Vic Stander was here from Canada, <clears throat> he spoke about Jesus calming the storm. In Mark 5, Craig spoke to us about Jesus delivering the demon-possessed man. In Mark 21, verse 22, we see some miracles from Jesus healing the woman with the blood discharge, raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. In Mark 6, we see the effects of familiarity and relationships in how Jesus is received in his own hometown. We also have the death of John the Baptist and the absolute soldier that he represented and was an image and picture for us to follow. And then last week, Killian blessed us with the message around feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000 was arguably the second largest miracle that Jesus did outside of the resurrection. And what we see here is, and what's different to Mark than the other gospels, is Mark is writing in such a way to show us exactly who Jesus is. 
when we read the, the other gospel accounts, the other gospels and, and, and the parallel accounts of these stories in, in Matthew and John, we see a lot more explanation, we see description, we see proclamation of who Jesus is, what he's doing, where John specifically gets down to it and says, this is what he's doing, this is who he is. So, and on that note, we'll start, if you've got your Bibles or phones or whatever you're doing, turn to Mark chapter 6, we're going to be going through Jesus walks on the water, Mark six forty-five to 56, and we can read together. Immediately, he, being Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Now, this is a good example. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat. John is straight to the point saying, get in the boat, get out of here. Whereas in Matthew and John, we see the description of why it's immediately. You see, at this time, Jesus had performed all these miracles He's just fed 5,000 people from a kid's lunchbox. And now the Jewish people are rallying around him saying, Jesus is the king. He's going to set us free from the Roman oppression. He's here. We're good. Everything's going to be okay. Let's get together. Let's make him king. And our lives are going to be so much better. So that's just an example of the difference between how we see these gospel accounts. Carrying on. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., they saw him walking on the sea. They thought it was a ghost and cried out, for for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. The wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hard. We then go into Jesus healing the second Genesaret. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds or wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, and countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So that's the passage that we're going to look at today. And there's three things that I want to touch on very quickly before we kind of bring it back to the issue of the hardness of heart. And that is Jesus is always intentional about what he does and how he does it. And he does this in three ways. And that Jesus does only what God can do. Jesus reveals himself in only a way that God reveals himself. And Jesus calls himself only what God calls himself. So the first point and making reference to Mark 6, verses 49, Jesus, 48 and 49, Jesus walking on the water. Now, I think it's safe to say that we all know we are physically incapable as human beings to walk on water. And if someone is doing that, they're an illusionist who spent 10 years and millions of dollars trying to figure out how to trick you into making them think, you think that they can walk on water. But it's something that we as human beings cannot do. But interestingly enough, this is something that has echoed before the time of Jesus through scripture 
where God uses reference to this and the sea to display who he is, his glory, and what he can do. And if we look, look at Job 9, it reads, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. In Psalm 77, Your way went through the sea, your path through vast waters, but your footprints were unseen. Isaiah 43, This is what the Lord says, Who makes a way in the sea and a path through the waging water. See, Jesus is not doing something random, but he's doing something very significant. He is doing what only God can do and what only God has done in the past and proclaimed that he can do. Jesus knows the importance of what this means to the people in this time, but it's also important for us. We have access to the scriptures and we can reflect that, it, that he is indeed who he claims to be according to and making reference to scripture. The second point is that Jesus reveals himself in a way that only God reveals himself. <clears throat> and this is the, the pass by phrase. See, if we go back into the Old Testament as well, Jesus uses this phrase in many, many, not in many, many, but he uses it in, in uh, many passages of scripture in a way that reveals his glory. And we see that in, in Exodus 33, this is immediately after um, the Israelites have been delivered from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus goes up into the, uh, Jesus, Moses goes into the mountain to meet and speak with God. And in verse 18, God says, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place beside me, and you shall stand upon the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will pass by you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. In Exodus 34, he actually does this, where he says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, revealing his glory, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. In 1 Kings 19.11, we see God treating Elijah almost the same way that he treats Moses. Some scholars say on the same mountain um, that Moses received the law from God. And it says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Again, we see Mark is using terminology and showing us and showing them that Jesus is God and that God is here that Jesus reveals himself in a way that only God reveals himself. The third point is that Jesus calls himself only what God calls himself. And in Mark 6 verses 48, <clears throat> it says, But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid and something that can help us with this is again we see throughout scripture where God refers himself to I am or Yahweh uh, something that might help us next slide thanks to you is that Yahweh did you thanks dude <laughs> Yahweh is the ancient name for I am in the ver now mark is written originally in the Greek language and the word ego iyimi is used as 
is described in our Bible, it is I. But when you translate ego iyumi into Hebrew, it's translated as Yahweh or I am. We also see in the book of John that Jesus refers to himself as I am at least seven times. So here again, we see that Jesus, he calls himself only what God calls himself. He does only what God can do and Jesus reveals himself only in a way that God reveals himself. So what we see in Mark is that he's trying to get this point across that Jesus is showing us who he really is and that only God can do these things. Yet amazingly, if we go to the next verse, verse 51, and he got out and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And this is quite a thing to think about because you've got these disciples who are witnessing all these miracles that we've already seen so far, yet they're still not quite getting the picture that Jesus is who he says he is and that he does what he, he is doing. And I don't think we have to be too discouraged. This is, this is early on in Jesus' ministry. We're still in chapter 6 of Mark. It's in chapter 6 of John. It's in chapter 24 of Matthew, but Matthew's a long book. Um, there's still a lot that Jesus is going to do. There's still a lot that he has to accomplish and teach before he finishes his mission here on earth. And we see, a, we see a glimpse of this as to, to why this might be the case in Mark chapter 4. In the parable of the sower, which Craig um, covered a couple of months back, it's never about the seed. The seed is about the gospel. The seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The soil is us in our hearts. And it's never about the seed. It's what condition, what is the condition of our heart being able to receive Christ, being able to receive the gospel. And Mark makes this quite clear. And there's, the, there's a quote that I found who I have no idea who wrote it, actually. Um, and Mark again reminds us that faith is not an inevitable result of knowing about Jesus or even being with Jesus. Faith is not something that happens automatically, evolves inevitably. It is a personal decision or choice. In the Gospel of Mark, it is, more often than not, it is more often than not a decision that has to be made in the face of struggle and trepidation. Discipleship is more endangered by the lack of faith and hardness of heart, by external dangers. And the onus that Mark put, puts forward here is, is pretty much counter our culture. Um, in the world today, we really feel like we need to show people um, what we believe, we need to convince them, we need to prove, sorry, I, I, can everyone hear me? I keep moving this microphone. Um, you know, we need to prove ourselves. Where Mark's clearly saying that the biggest obstacle to our faith in Jesus is us. Now it's important to realize that there are external factors and those factors could be very real. There's very real hurt, there's very real pain, there's very real struggle in the world today. Turn that off. Um, and that can lead us to ask questions and have doubts, whether it's science, science apparently disproving the Bible. I think it's the complete opposite. I think science is more and more today proving the events and what happens in the Bible more than disproving it. Might be the news, bad things happening to the news. The world's a very crazy and confused place right now. And this is challenging you to ask questions, and it's challenging your faith. And that's okay, but what are you turning to 
when those times come? What are you turning to when you start to feel these things? And I know for me as well, uh, personally, uh, in 2017 and 18 was a very rough time in my faith. There was, I mean, only to the glory of God that I'm standing here today, but I didn't know what I believed in 2017, 2018. And I've grown up in a Christian home, had amazing mentors, and thank God I had mentors at that point in time in my life. Um, But so often, we don't turn to the one that we should be turning to when we're feeling distant, when we're feeling these struggles, when we're feeling the questions and doubts that we have. It's so much easier to just turn to the world and the things that might be comfortable and familiar. And that's a very dangerous place. For me personally, it, was, it wasn't that I wasn't reading my Bible. It wasn't that I wasn't praying every day. I still did those things. But was I intentionally pursuing the things that I was wrestling with? Was I seeking God? Was I reading His Word? Was I praying into the questions and doubts? Um, you know, was I seeking wise counsel? And the answer is initially no, I wasn't. And I found myself getting harder at heart, harder at heart, harder at heart, because I still felt like, God, I'm still reading and I'm still praying and I'm still pushing into you. But the attitude that I had gave me reason to do things my own way anyway. There wasn't a true sacrificial surrender to say, Lord, it's, you know, I'm going to pursue this thing until I meet you and until you interject in my life. And I found that with talking to many people as well. People will come and say, man, I'm just feeling far from God. I'm struggling. My heart's hard. It's like, okay, but what are you really doing about that? It's like, no, I do read my Bible and I do pray. I'm like, okay, but are you praying into that question? Are you seeking God in that doubt? Do you really want to know what the answer is? Are you prepared to give up some of the things that are keeping you from God giving you that soft heart that you need in order to receive who he is and what he wants to do in and through you. And sadly, often the, question, the, the answer to that is often no. Often these struggles and these distractions that we have in life that harden our hearts are the reason that allows us to go our own way. Because if we're completely honest with ourselves, not everyone wants to be, have someone lord over them. We want to be the lord of our own lives. We want to be able to trust our own limited experiences a limited capacity and understanding instead of surrendering to what God might have in store for us. And these things can be very real, but they're also things that can, that can keep you from having a relationship with Jesus and getting to know him better and understand his nature. Um, but make sure that you are intentionally pursuing him in the way that you need to. In verse 53, and I love this because the disciples have just had their hearts exposed, that hearts are hard, and in my mind, personally, I'm like, flip, I'd be irritated, you know? I shouldn't say flip, yeah, it's fine, Craig's not here. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I can imagine Jesus being frustrated and irritated with like, why aren't you guys getting this, you know? Why aren't you guys getting who I am, what I can do? Um, but then in verse 53, when they, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genericet and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat and the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick, the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard 
feel like I haven't read very well today. It's getting old. Beds wherever they heard he was, and wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. And I just love how consistent Jesus is with this. He still shows up every single time, regardless of the hardness of heart of his disciples. Regardless of the reasons that were for that, whether it was the struggle on the sea, getting to where they needed to go, whether it was being dis- the distraction of the, the joy that they might have been talk- speaking about and that Jesus is here to free us from our current, our current physical bondage and oppression from the Egyptians. Um, in light of all of that, Jesus is still full of love, full of grace, full of compassion. And it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. It doesn't matter how hard your heart is. He can always, always meet you and give you that soft heart. In Ezekiel 26 verse 36, it says that I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to take your heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. And that should be something that we always want all the time. Some of the things that you're holding on to, some of the lifestyles, some of whatever, whatever it might be, whether it's a struggle, maybe it's not a struggle, maybe it's something that brings you great joy, comfort, peace, but you know what, because of that, I don't need God as much. So God, I'm gonna handle my things over here and I'm just gonna keep you over there. It doesn't matter, God is still right there, he's still with you and he still wants to have a relationship with you wherever you are in that. And there are ways that in which we are able to combat this sort of thing as well. Church is one, great place. We come to church, we form communities, we form relationships. With people that we trust, we get to know, we're able to discuss these things and wrestle it out with them in a healthy environment. We can call each other out. Hey man, I noticed this about you. How are you doing? Are you pursuing God in this area in your life? You know, home groups are another very, very good thing to do. If you're not involved in a home group, I really encourage you, get involved in a home group. Amazing things happen in home groups. Real growth happens in home groups you're able to discuss things with one another build trust with one another and so many times i've been in so many home groups where it's turned into such an emotional thing some home groups don't get like that some of mine have but god really meets you in those places and just softens your heart and breaks you breaks your heart for the things that break his and it's a really special place bible studies is another one having good mentors in your life godly mentors don't turn to the world don't turn to people that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing probably better for a season depending on how strong you are don't leave there don't leave yet <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know to you know be careful and who you have in your life and who you don't have in your life who, what, who who is pulling you and drawing you towards God and who is pulling you away from him it's important to realize that in terms of where you're getting your advice from um, That's me, eh? Sheesh. Awesome. No, thank you, guys. Um, so, so yeah. Um, it's okay, Colin. I'll pray. And I can... Actually, no, you can come. You can pray. <laughs> cool. So, um, so, yeah. Just in closing, um, just a word of encouragement is keep your heart soft. Um, keep your heart turned towards God in whatever you're going through. I know everyone is living through, going through such a... A telling time in Zimbabwe right now. It's, it's an election year. Everyone's at their end. Uh, things are happening that shouldn't be happening. 
Um, but keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he's got his fixed on you. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just thank you for, for today and I thank you for this message, Father. And Lord, I just pray over everyone in this room, <clears throat> God, that you would give them a soft heart, that you would make their hearts into a permeable soil, ready to receive the gospel, ready to receive Jesus, ready to hear from you <clears throat> and ready to do what you call them to do, Father. Lord, I just pray over everyone here as they go into the week that they would be able to soften their heart and, and bring you into every aspect of their life, Father, that you would bring, that you would bring a holy conviction to the, things, to the things that they do, the things that they think, and, yeah, Lord, that they would be able to glorify you. We thank you for revealing yourself in such an incredible way through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Thanks, Carmen.